Hello, hello. I'm your host, Jan, and first, I'd like to welcome you to the latest edition of the Non-Traditional Scholar Podcast. Happy to have you. Thank you for taking the time as always. Outside of being a host, uh, if you ever wanted to know what else I do besides creating these episodes that hopefully inspire you, something else that I do apart from the non-traditional scholar is that I'm a, a professor. So I think education has a huge part of who Jan is and my being and my state of existence. One of the things that I like to do in my class as a professor, and I teach communication, is dive into culture through an activity called walk a mile in my shoe. I'm not going to get into all of the details regarding what that activity is and how it impacts my students and how it allows them to interculturally understand someone else's cultural identity and experience in this episode. But the reason that I explain that and that activity briefly is because this episode is going to give you an experience in what walk a mile in my shoes can do. So you are going to learn about someone by walking a mile in their shoes and learning a lot about what's shaped them into becoming the person that they are and the person that they are continuing to evolve into and aspiring to be. So since we're talking about walk a mile in my shoes, think about how many miles you've walked so far in your own life. And think about how much further you still have to walk to get to what you consider your destination. Sometimes being this reflective and learning to reflect upon how far you've walked to be where you are presently is motivation enough to continue to take the steps needed to get you to where you want to go. So in terms of walking a mile in someone's shoes... I'd like for you to think about a number, all right? The number that I'd like for you to think about is 4,855. 4,855. Now that you have that number in your head, add the word miles. 4,855 miles. Why? Well, that is the actual distance in miles from Germany to Tampa, Florida. That is how many miles this person had to travel to leave their homeland of Germany and arrive in Tampa, Florida by themselves at the age of 22. 4,000 855 miles. Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to learn the story of someone by the name of Chris Raposo. He is a non-traditional student, and we will use his testimony for you to understand what it's like to walk a mile in someone's shoes. Let's begin. So, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm fine, I'm fine. Thank you for taking the time and giving us the opportunity to speak with you on the podcast. 
Uh, to begin, uh, could you briefly introduce yourself to the audience, your name, and uh, what you are currently doing? Yes. Hi, I'm Chris Raposo. I am the marketing specialist at Hannon Hill, a tech company based in Atlanta, Georgia, and we provide content management systems for higher education institutions, as well as a personalization tool that provides targeted content to visitors on our website. I was also a non-traditional student. I went to the university at the age of 30, and that's why we're here today. I want to share my story. That's great. That's great. So you were a non-traditional student yourself. What made you eventually become the non-traditional student and the online University of Florida student and graduate that you eventually became? Sure, sure. So I'll give a little bit of backstory. I was born and raised in Germany, so I'm also an international. So I, I grew up in Germany with a with a single mom, so education was never top priority. I just squeezed by in high school, barely made it through high school, and then had to go to trade school in Germany, just working on construction, just really hating life, really didn't like it. I knew that I was destined for more. I knew that I was destined to go the white collar route as well as live in the United States eventually. So at the age of 22, after I graduated from trade school, I told my mom, I said, hey, you know, I really want to live the American dream. I want to try it. I'm going to move to Florida. So I moved to Florida at the age of 22 to Tampa, Florida. I had an opportunity to go there. And I wanted to play college football, actually. While I lived in Germany, I played American football. I was pretty good. I once tried out for the German national team. So I came to Ger to the United States. I was like, you know what? I'm good enough to play college football. So I go to University of South Florida in Tampa. I talked to the admissions counselor. I said, hey, I'm from Germany. I want to try out for your football team. They said, well, you got to be a student here. And you need to translate your transcript from your German transcripts into into English, but your GPA is pretty bad, as you told us. So you'll have to go through community college first before you can ever go to a four-year school. And, and then I said, okay, I'll try that. But then reality hit because I only had a limited budget and I had to, it's the first time I lived outside of my mom's home and I had to pay bills, right? I had to pay the rent. I had to pay for food, electricity, all that stuff. And I was like, I was only making $10 an hour at the time. I worked a data entry job. My English wasn't this good. So the the, the dream of going to university were, were put on hold at that point. You know, I just had to survive. You know, if a lot of your listeners may can resonate with that. If you come from another country, it's not about, it's about getting by and surviving. Or are you going back home if you don't make it, you know, yeah. and I yeah. do that. So I worked, I worked odd jobs for six, seven years just learning a language, just growing in my career. And then eventually I hit a ceiling, a career ceiling at the job that I was because I, I worked at a at a law firm at the time. And that's the other beautiful thing about that. When I grew up in Germany, none of my peers went to university. None of their none of their parents went to university. So you're the subtotal of or you're the subtotal of the five people that you surround yourself with. And if nobody goes to university, you're like, well I'm not I can't go to university. Right. But all of a sudden, I'm in a law firm, and I, I'm with all these educated people. I'm, I'm the only one who doesn't have a degree. All of a sudden, my my horizon broadened. And I was like, and I also uh, met my girlfriend now wife. She she was educated. She already graduated from from the university, and she's like, hey, you should probably should go to go to college. And I thought I always thought to myself that I wasn't smart enough to go to university just because 
of my background from Germany and, you know, not being academically inclined back then and not having the, the support or the drive to, to study. All I want to do was play sports. But then I said, okay, you know, let me try that out. So I walked into Hillsborough Community College. That's the community college in Tampa because some of my friends told me, hey, just go there, you know, it'll be, it'll be easier to get in. So I, I, I walked in admissions at least three times. I walked in, I walked out. I said, no, nah, I'm too old. <laughs> you know, I said, and I, I also worked, so I knew it was going to be a part-time gig. And I yeah. made the calculation. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm 30. I'm not going to graduate until I'm 38. Like, that's crazy. Like, I'm never, you know, it's way too long. And then somebody told me, you're going to be 38 regardless. So you be, you might as well be 38 with a degree. That's right. You know, so I enrolled and uh, I did the placement test. I completely flunked math. So I had like, had to do like three semesters of like middle school math just to get, you know, into that, <laughs> uh, into the college math. And so I did that. And then I slowly worked my way, two classes at a time, slowly worked my way through. And at first it was like, let's just get C's. I said, what do I need to get to, to pass the class? And it was like, get C's. It's like, okay, I'm shooting for C's, man. <laughs> uh, but then it was like, dude, you came from another country. You're not, you don't have the luxury to settle, man. You know, you don't have the luxury to just squeak by because you owe it to yourself and you owe it to the ones left behind that supported you to make the, to be the best person, uh, version of yourself. And I was like, you know what? I'm just screwing around over here. I need to buckle down, fully focus and try to be a straight A student, which I was never before. So I did that. I did that after like a, after like a semester, a couple of semesters just going by, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to apply myself like full all in. So I did. So I did. And I eventually I graduated with my AA with a 3.86 GPA, which opened all the doors to the universities, you know, in Florida, like the public universities. And then at one point, I had to make a decision. Like I was like, okay, where I'm going to go after HCC because HCC is only a two-year school. So the next logical thing would have been go to University of South Florida. That's down the road. You drive there. But I worked full time, and at that time, I already was married, and I already had my first kid. So my son was maybe a year old or two years old. So the last thing I wanted to do was leave school, drive to the University of South Florida it takes me an hour in afternoon traffic and then find a spark, uh, parking spot. You know, right. it was the biggest hassle. And then one day, like two semesters before I graduated with my AA, I got a, a mail piece from the University of Florida online that said the Gator Nation is everywhere, making me aware of the online option to right. attend University of Florida because my dream was to enroll in a big school. So I looked at Florida State, I looked at University of South Florida, I looked at Central Florida, and I looked at um, University of Florida. And I actually toured, I, I went to the University of Florida a couple of weeks, a month before, and I was like, man, this would be a dream to go here. But I will never drive to Gainesville because right. I live in Tampa. I wasn't going to commute, commute. And then when I got that mail piece, I was like, oh my gosh. So I did some research. I looked at the tuition costs because it's always huge, you know, if you have you have a kid and you have a job and you have a family, you know, you got to support the family. So I was like, well, what's the tuition cost going to look like? Am I going to go to a big school and go into debt? Or am I going to go to St. Pete College, which, which was across the bay in Tampa, which was a four-year school, 
but it had the community college vibe. And at that point, I, I really didn't care. I just wanted a degree to advance in my career, a bachelor's. But then when I saw that the University of Florida online was cheap, like almost the, the online program was almost as much per credit hour as HCC was. Oh. I was like, that's not, that's not a, a no-brainer, right? So in the end, University of Florida online was the only university I applied to and I I got in luckily. So it's a little bit about the backstory on how I became a non-traditional student. Congratulations. Congratulations. Very inspirational story and a story that, that feels very organic and, and very determined in terms of how you got to where you got. Uh, I have a question. When you decided to enroll at a Hillsborough Community College, did you know the major that you wanted to pursue? So, so no, everybody said, you know, this is the other thing. People always tell you what you should do. So, uh, <laughs> oh, you're so good with people. You should do the nursing program. It's like, well, maybe I should do the nursing program, you know? I, had, I went pre-med and I was like a couple of semesters and I looked at, I actually looked at the the pathway. I was like, what do, what do I have to take? Like chemistry, biology. And I remember I sucked at those courses. I was like, I need these courses. I don't want to do that. So the next, next piece was, um, okay, let's do business, right? So I switched to business. I was like, okay, cool. Let's do business. So I withdrew from this class and it was only algebra one. I wow. Like, I got to do algebra two. I got to do <laughs> calculus. I'm going to, this is going to be the most horrible experience of my life. Right. So I was like, what do you like to do? I told myself, what do you like to do? I was like, well, I, I like to write. I like to tell stories, you know? And then I thought to myself, well, did I look, what other courses do they have? And they had a mass communications major. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, let's do that. So I went to mass communications route and best decision I've ever made. I, I enjoyed the classes and that put me on the trajectory to enroll at UF online for a public relations degree. Which ultimately got me that job that I have to do as a as a marketer. That's fantastic. fantastic. So I was you have to figure things out, even if you're older. You know, you think like, okay, if you're a kid, if you're like 18, 19 years old, you you, you still have to find yourself. You're not entirely sure. Man, I didn't know what I wanted to do at at that time. Right. But I knew that I needed a degree in order to increase my income, in order to right, uh, you know, broaden my career and advance in my career. So I, my initial goal was like. Just get the degree. Everybody was like, you don't have to work in the field where you get your degree in. And I said, okay, fair enough. I just want a degree. But then as I worked towards in the mass communications and in public relations, I was like, this is exactly where I need to be and where I want. Beautiful. Do you see how 4,000 plus miles can change you? traveling from one end of the Atlantic Ocean to the other is immense. But at least we got to walk in someone's shoes who actually took that decision and traveled those 4,000 plus miles to get to where they are as of now. But then the question becomes, how did Chris manage? all of the hats that he wore at the same time and continue to push through to become the person that he is. Where did he find the fortitude to be able to manage all of those responsibilities at once and fulfill 
his dream that started after 22 years old, once he arrived here in the United States. How difficult was it to maneuver and navigate all of those things and how has he learned and grown from them? Well, here is the next chapter in Chris's story. And here is where you'll learn about what it really took to walk a mile in a non-traditional student like Chris and his shoes. Let's begin. I think another question I'd like to ask for you, Chris, is in, in the experience of a non-traditional student, I think many non-traditional students who are currently in the struggle of what you just explained, how did you manage to be a student, a father, a husband, and still have the time to work in your career? Mm -hmm. It's all about sacrifice. When you go in, you know, you see a lot of marketing pieces that target non-traditional students that show the end result of this father or this mother holding their baby on graduation day. But you, you should also communicate the struggle. And what I, like, I cannot tell you, man. I had, I got up at 5 a.m. every day and I did, I did schoolwork from 5 to 7. Then I got my kid, my wife and my, my, me and my wife, we got our kid up. I took him to daycare on my way to work. And then when I picked them up, there was the UF online. We're, we're talking UF online now because it, there was more flexibility there. Right. So UF online. And then I picked them up and then we hung out with our with our child. And after I put him to bed, I went back and did another hour, hour and a half of schoolwork, you know, just to stay with it. Um, but as it as it was at HCC, University of uh, Hillsborough Community College, just that was um, we just had to, you know, work with each other. I mean, I I made sure I took the block classes where it's like instead of going a couple of times a week, I took one day where you, you go right up from six to nine thirty, so the, the big blocks. And then every weekend, you know, like you just have to sacrifice your weekends. I it's see. always say, uh, sacrifice the, the short-term goal for the long-term gain, mm -hmm. you know, because you know that this is a struggle, but it's, there's an end to it. That's like, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Right. So if you can just look at that, like I said on my kitchen table, so many nights or so many mornings and I envision myself walking that stage just to give me that hope and that and that and that encouragement, you know? Right. To hey listen, man, there's a reason why you're doing this. Every once in a while I had the bouncer with the baby next to me on the table. Oh man. So, yeah, because she woke up or he woke up. I had two kids. In my last semester I had a daughter too. So the baby was there waking up at 4.30, so I said, okay, I might as well just go get up. I gave her a bottle. I put her in the bouncer. I positioned the bouncer with the bottle that she drove the bottle so she would fall back asleep. <laughs> and then um, I did my schoolwork, and every once in a while I had to do a, an exam. And I was like, oh, my God, I hope she doesn't wake up. <laughs> so, yeah, I was a little bit stressful, but you have to, you know, if, if you're a parent, you just have to work with your spouse. You know, just communicate, hey, this is why I'm doing this, we're going to have a better life um, you know. after this, you know? So that's why you need that family support. The good thing was my wife, she went for her master's while we did that, while I was in school as well at UF Online. So she 
she had empathy so she understood wow. you know you're like okay i'm going to take that block to do school work then you're going to take that block and i take the kids that's, that's beautiful so she she's a non-traditional student herself yeah so she got her she was a traditional undergrad but then um she went to uh, florida international university online and got her mba um and she just graduated last year so while we had the two kids that's fantastic fantastic I'd like to ask you, how difficult was it to pivot from traditional in-person school at HCC to full-fledged online classes? I mean, I was, I think I'm made for online, you know, yeah. I'm made for flexibility. So it was more difficult for me to adhere to the professor's schedule because I can't, I'm very self-efficient. I can't just look, look, you give me an assignment, I'm not crush it. And I crush it early. Like this is the other thing you got to do. Do not, you can't procrastinate with these right. things, right. you know, because a lot of people, they like, if the assignment is due on Sunday night at 11.45 and they, they log it on Sunday at 6 p.m. to try to get this done, so much stress. So what I did, as soon as that portal opened up, man, I went after it, like my life depended on it. And I was done by Wednesday. So I could, you know, or at least I was, I felt more prepared to, at least I had my first draft on it on Wednesday and I could work on it. And that's why I had such, that's why I was able to graduate with honors because I never procrastinated. I always made sure I was in control of the schedule. And then if there was a hiccup, you know, let's say you have a group assignment, not everybody has that mindset. You know, that was always the difficult part. Yeah. Well, I did my part and then I helped the other ones. Cause I was like, dude, my grade depends on your effort. And if you don't bring the effort, then I'll be sure I'm going to help you thinking to myself, um, I only have to deal with you for three months, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, if you, because I always tell myself, if that's how you work mm. on your schoolwork, they eat you for lunch in the real world, yeah. you know? So yeah. I took this as a, as an opportunity to to mentor some of the younger students that I had and say, hey, you gotta get after this, you know? Mm. Uh, how can I help you? Like, I don't really care if you get the credit for it. I just wanna make sure we we are successful as a team. So that, uh, that helped me with my leadership as well. And the other thing was I didn't have to look for a parking spot, you know, there was- Yeah. A <laughs> yeah. Oh, big perk, big, big perk. Yeah. So in the online experience, did you ever have to present uh, a presentation virtually? Yeah, yeah, that was part of it. So uh, video presentations, you had to do a lot of video presentations, um, kind of like company presentations now. It's a it's a PowerPoint or whether it was on Canva. You always had to film yourself at the end of the semester and do, uh, you, usually the final pro projects were video presentations of yourself, maybe 20, 45, 30 minutes. So they were, without looking back, they were so awful. But, you know, <laughs> it's what college is for, you know, you learn. That way, it's better to do it there than in front of a board, and then you know be looked down upon as an unprofessional person. Right? Uh, yeah. So it was it was presentations, and of course, discussion boards every week. Discussion boards. You know, that's how you communicated uh, with your peers and brought your ideas forth of what you've learned during the week. So yeah, presentations were big. Video was big, and of course, um, proctored exams were big, just to make sure you know you're not at uh, cheating and you're actually yeah. doing. And I'm, I'm so glad Jet GPT wasn't out when I went to school. <laughs> I would have so taken advantage of that, you know. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. 
would you say that your non-traditional experience with your life helped uh, build the characteristics that you needed to succeed in the online platform? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And it helped me too. Um, so while, while I was in University of Florida online, COVID happened. And you know, we were like, everybody was scrambling and we were like, we were like, hey, this is business as usual. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's easy. Uh, I say with a, when I work remote now, I'm like, hey, this is like nothing, you know, it's just the best thing ever. Uh, but the other thing is, as an untraditional student, if you, um, if you have a family, if you have to balance family, if you have to work balance work, if you have to balance school, by the time you get out of school, everything seems like a breeze because all of us you were so under stress and so under pressure for this for this experience as being a non-traditional student while having to balance everything you can outwork just about anybody at at the office because they're only used to having to go to work and then maybe dealing with their family but they never dealt with the additional pressures of deadlines from a university so you have a huge advantage if you make it through it and another thing is I was also a runner, so I ran a marathon or ran half marathons during that time. Wow. That that always, I always attribute my success as a professional, as a non-traditional student to my marathon training in Florida. Like I said, I lived in Florida. It's always, it's usually hot, like 10 months out of the year. Right. And you do marathon training there, you, you, you're grinding, like you're going through it and you're like, you're suffering, but you're in control of the pain. Right, you can always walk away. Like if you, if I ran a marathon and I red line, and I was like, "Golly, this is hurting," and I, my one part of your mind is says, "Hey, you can just walk away." You know, the pain's gonna go away right away. It's like the little angel and devil. Yeah, like, you can walk away. It's same when you're suffering as a as a as a non traditional student and you're so under stress. Some part of you says, "Is this worth it, man?" You know, why don't you just go back to your job? It's gonna be fine. You're gonna be all right. You don't need this degree. But then the other part is like, if you quit now, in 10 years from now, you're going to look back and you're going to be like, I, by now I could have had this degree. Why didn't I continue? Right. Yeah. So it's always, the, it, it builds a stronger mindset uh, if you if you have to go through that sort of thing. And it makes you a better, better professional and a better uh, father or mother, you know, parent, husband, wife, whatever you want to call it. What, what I find very interesting about your story is how you are literally the definition of full circle because not only did you earn your degree as a non-traditional student, but now you're doing work to help other non-traditional students. Mm -hmm. So before I get into the article that you helped publish and the research behind it, according to Chris, why do you think it's so difficult for non-traditional students to actually walk across that stage and, and realize that goal? Because life beats you down and it's life is hard by itself. Yeah. And there's demands from your spouse. And I am so blessed with my spouse who's so supportive, but not everybody's spouse is that supportive, you know? Right. Yeah. Not everybody's parent is that supportive. Um, some people may think, hey, education doesn't mean much. You know, I want you to work at the shop or at the family business. And then, of course, job demands. You may be traveling a lot. You 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 maybe work in the night shift. I didn't work the night shift. You know, if somebody works the night shift in a factory, this is a whole other story right there. There may be 
exhausted, you know, and they were thinking to themselves, I knew a guy who worked the night shift and he, he didn't make it, you know, he just yeah. stopped. He's like, I'll, I'll catch up. I'll be back. I don't know if he ever went back. And there are 40.4 million people in the United States who have some college, but no degree. Right. Uh, well, those that said, hey, let me just take a gap year, that gap year, turn it into a gap life. So yeah, it's definitely the the weight that's on your shoulders as an untraditional student, and it ultimately it's your decision, you know. And if you don't want to continue, then you'll stop. If there's not a bigger picture, if there's not a bigger why, I looked at my kids and I said, I'm doing it for them because I want them to get an education when they grow up. But if they say, hey, well, dad never did it. Why should I do it? Yeah. You know, so it's like, yeah, yeah. or there may be cost issues, you know, some, a lot of, there's a lot of student loan debt and some people, and there's a lot about the student loan debt in the news covered. So a lot of people may think, well, maybe the ROI isn't there, you know, maybe if I pay $50,000 for college, but I only make 35 when I get out, you know, that's crazy. Like, why would yeah. I do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, my thing was always looking at the careers page, you know, for my particular degree. And I said, what am I, what's the income potential? Uh -huh. uh, you know, so with a communications degree in marketing, I want to build my career as a marketer and I want to be eventually want to be a chief marketing officer down the road. And I know that I'm going to be set up to be a good supporter for my, for my family and the degree will be well worth it. Now I went part-time, I paid out of pocket. So yeah. I graduated as a, as a non-traditional student with zero student loan debt, it took me a lot longer than everybody else. But you know, I didn't have that that burden of that student loan at the end. But I also worked, and I had a wife, so we, you know, we we were able to do that. And not everybody is able to do that, you know. Right. So I look down upon somebody to say, "Hey, this is what you should do," because I'm well aware that when I first came to the United States, I was, it was tight. The budget was very tight. You know, so imagine. Yeah. imagine. I think what you just mentioned speaks to the word you 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 brought up earlier, which is the sacrifice. You know, you sacrifice the short term for for the long term, and it took you a lot longer than most, but it it turned out for the better because you were able to transition without the burden of, of having to pay back such large and exorbitant student loans. Uh, I, I also wanted to ask, in your experience as a non-traditional student. Were there anybody in particular that worked with the institution that helped you along the way? And how did they help you reach yes. your goal? My academic advisor at the University of Florida online, her name is Bridget Dunbar. She was there from the beginning to the end. And <laughs> I, 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 I kid you not, I checked in with her right before every semester, basically ask her, hey, what do you think? would make sense. What's the next logical classes I should take? And then she told me, hey, maybe you do these and these because this is a bit of a harder class. It's not so hard, you know, so you can mix and match them. So she helped me with that. Um, when I had my, when I had my kid, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Maybe I should take a semester off mm -hmm. because, you know, I think I said earlier that when I went to HCC, I had my son, but now that I think about it, my son came while I was at UF online. And I said, I never had a kid before, so I didn't know what to expect. So I said, maybe I'll take the semester off 
just to see because everybody tells me you're not going to sleep. So I, <laughs> so I did that, and then I took another one off because he didn't sleep. Yeah, like he didn't sleep for 18 months. And yeah, so I said, okay, I'm going to take another semester off. But then she said, you know, Chris, if you take another semester off, you have to reapply because you're not going to, you know? I was like, oh my God. I said, am I going to get in? You know, she said, I have no doubt you're going to get back in. Just reapply. So I had to go through the whole admissions process again. Wow. But I, I got right back in. I took two semesters off. But this is the dip, this is the... You you walk on 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 thin ice if you do that because you know how what I just said people walk yeah. away never come back turns into the gap of ice mm-hmm. yeah. so I did come back after two semesters and then I said okay it's time to uh, up the up the volume a little bit go a little bit harder you know because we gotta increase so I went back because I I missed two semesters so she helped me to make it through it you know constantly checking in with her. And just so I would say, if you have, if you're a non-traditional student or a student in general, make sure you take advantage of your academic advisors that were assigned to you. That's that's their job. Don't feel bad to reach out. And she was so gracious with me and always helped me out. And I always give her, I still give her kudos on um, LinkedIn posts when I talk about my experience. You know, tag her as a this this one was like the best. You know, great, so. great. She deserve deservedly so, deservedly so. In terms of the paper that you've published. The first thing I'd like to ask is that it was very impressive, uh, very evidence-based, and provided a lot of resources for institutions in terms of how they can maximize um, reaching out and and, and avoiding that cliff that you were discussing uh, in the paper. From that perspective, and in the research that you conducted, what are some resources that institutions should invest in, in terms of helping uh, non-traditional students turn and successfully finish what they may have started or, or, or even considered to give up. Yeah. So like I mentioned there, I had the upper, I had the luxury of doing an online course, but a lot of non-traditional students may not have that luxury. They may have to go on campus. And if they have a child, what, what are you going to do with the kid? You know, you see these pictures of these professors holding this kid during class, but that's not going to go well over with everybody right oh i always i read up on some uh literature from inside higher ed talking about potentially making childcare available on campus for these non-traditional students who have who have children or for example partnerships with corporations that was one of the things in my paper how important that is for institutions to do partnerships with papers for not only tuition reimbursement. I never worked for a company that had tuition reimbursement, but there are companies out there. So if you, as a as an or as an institution, partner with more smaller companies on partnerships and possible tuition reimbursement, not only will you get input from the company owners on what's trending in the industry, so you can mold your curriculum to what's relevant. So people that get out of the institutions are career ready, but work goes around. Like I talked about my experiences and non-traditional students all the time with my colleagues. And if there's other colleagues in there that, that may consider going to school, first thing they think about is that institutions I went to. Right. right. So, so you build awareness through that. You want to 
communicate diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging. Because most of the marketing messages, you see a couple of 18-year-olds throwing Frisbees on a lawn, but that you can resonate with that as a as an adult learner. You know, that's not your life. That's not your reality. And before I, like I said earlier, before I went to school at 30, I thought to myself, I was too old. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, am I the only one? Is this going to be so awkward, me walking into a classroom? And at some point, you know, I worked at the law firm. So I worked with my law firm attire, like slacks and a shirt into the classroom. And there were people that thought I was the professor. <laughs> uh, and I was, I was mortified because I was I like, so embarrassing. And it was the, yeah. it was the elementary math class fall. Yeah. I remember people like, was this the professor? And then my, the person who sat next to me, she was like, Oh, she thought you were the professor and I felt like an idiot, you know, because I felt like a loser because yeah. I already felt like a loser because I went at the age of 30. So I felt like I'm way behind April. But yeah, you definitely want to put the belonging part in there because a lot of people, they may not want to go back because they feel like, hey, maybe I don't belong there. It's the same with traditional age students or minority students. If you're a predominantly white school or that's the perception, right? There may be minority students who are very interested in going to your school, but they may feel like, hey, maybe I don't belong there. You know, maybe they don't want me there. You know, so you want you want to communicate that in your messaging. And I recently listened to a podcast that that was so valuable because a lot of people or institutions make the mistake. They pick the three or four African-Americans that are on the campus and put them on collateral. But that's not the reality of what's going on on campus, right? Like if yeah. somebody goes there and then nobody looks like me, then it's like false advertising. Yeah. Well, let's say you want to market to a broader audience or demographic, but you don't currently have that on your campus. You want to communicate that that is the goal, that is the shortcoming of the institutions, but that you're working on changing that. I see. You know? See. So be, be, be very authentic in the message. Exactly. Be authentic. Don't don't hide anything and don't make up stuff that's not true because that comes out when they go to school and then they may churn. Like in business terms, you, you call it churn. They, you know, you get somebody signed up for your product and then a year later they leave because it's not what you advertised it to be. We don't enroll it's we don't enroll students, we enroll alumni. You know, our goal should be for students to come in. And then finish, right? We don't just want them in and then not finish because that's that's a it gives you a bad reputation in the community, and it's just not the way we're designed. We want to edify people that come into our institutions and make them better when they come out. So I'd like to ask you uh, another question regarding your experience once you've earned the degree, because I think it would be very interesting for the audience to know if they're a non-traditional student. What were some of the obstacles that you encountered uh, after you earned your degree and crossed that stage? And and uh, how are you navigating those obstacles currently? Yeah, so it was it, it all started already when I was basically in my final semester at University of Florida Online because I um, I wasn't able to do internships, so I didn't do the practical stuff, you know, because I, I was working. So. I couldn't do a semester working for a company, getting real world experience. 
and University of Florida Online had what called it's called the agency. It's it's like a student run agency that works with real world companies. And I asked them, hey, can I can I work with you? Can I get some real world experience with you? And they said, unfortunately, it's only for on campus students. So I was like, what am I going to do to get real world experience? Because it's one thing to I was a paralegal at the time, but I wanted to become a marketer. But you know how it is. You, they always want two years of experience before you get a job. Yeah. Well, what I did um, was the law firm that I worked for. The marketing manager left, and they never hired anybody else because they didn't really believe in marketing. Um, hey. So, so I said, hey, how about I'm I'm working on this degree. How about can I, on top of my job, can I help with the marketing? I do some social media stuff. I'll do some event planning. I'll do some collaterals. So I did, they said, okay, fine. If you can get your other job done, then, you know, might as well do that. So I did that. And then to work on my writing skills, I started a blog. So I created a website, started a blog, and I, was, I started blogging. Wow. And to get real, real world feedback, I started throwing myself to the wolves on LinkedIn. And I started actively engaging on LinkedIn and writing my own stuff. So getting real world feedback, you know? Right. And, and then when I graduated and I knew that I'm going to make a switch real quick. And my employer knew that too. So they were cool about it. So I applied to all these law firms to be a marketer, law firm marketing. I thought, okay, this by surely this is going to be the next step. I worked eight years as a, para, as a, as a legal assistant and paralegal. They would want me like at the work oh. that law firm. Right. Nobody wanted me. I was like, what the hell, man? Like I had a couple of interviews and two of them went for the final stage, but nobody pulled the trigger. And then this small tech company in Atlanta who was uh, entrepreneurial minded and takes a chance on people, they said, we'll hire you. Oh, sweet. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then my wife and I, we we were already in the process, process to move to the to Atlanta. Oh, good. I have a job. I didn't have a job. We sold our house in Tampa because my marketing housing market's been crazy, yeah. and we're better in the North Atlanta area. So I said we signed on a house, and I didn't have a job. Uh, I had a job at the law firms. So I, I put that down as my job. Um, <laughs> I didn't have a job lined up. So literally two weeks before we moved to Atlanta, they gave me the offer, you know, for the job. Wow. So I. I knew it was going to work out. You know, I just had faith and trust that it's going to work. It's like, I'm going to trust God will provide. So I want to make it happen. And it did happen. It did happen. Uh, it didn't happen where I wanted it to happen, but it did happen where I was supposed to be. And it was the best decision of my life because right after I started, the VP of marketing left. So there was nobody for me to learn from. Well, they were going to hire somebody in the marketing role to mentor me. But then I started getting comfortable after two months. And I said, how about you let me try it? If I sink the ship, we'll get somebody else in. <laughs> if I don't, <laughs> the experience and you save the money. Beautiful. And I'm still running the department to this day, but so. Congratulations, congratulations. That's uh, that's exceptional. And job. Uh, you know, like yeah. you learn as, uh, as a non-traditional student, you figure yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the power of using your voice and, and networking and building relationships, you know, I think your testimony speaks heavily to that, heavily to that and being so, and 
the last question I'd like to ask before we close is you mentioned how you are forecasting in the near future that you want to eventually become, was it CEO? CMO, Chief, CMO. Marketing, Officer. Chief marketing Officer. So uh, how long do you forecast before you arrive at that destination? And once you arrive there, what are your plans? Yes. So my forecast was my wife thinks I'm I'm cutting myself short. I'm not going fast enough. But I said 10 years. I said two years marketing specialist, two years marketing manager, two years marketing director, two years VP of marketing, and then, you know, go to uh I see CMO. But uh, maybe I'll expedite that if I if I find a way to do that. But yeah, um I just want to make an impact in in the world of higher education and um you know, because I know how valuable higher education is because I lived through it, right? And I want to make sure that the messaging resonates with the target audience and it's not promotional, but it's all about the benefits of the, the people and what they can get out of higher ed institutions. And it doesn't have to be a big brand, you know? I went to HCC and I'm and I'm repping my Hillsborough Community College. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you have... <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a very proud uh, community college alumni, and I knew that HCC paved the way for me. I would have never been able, they wouldn't have taken me at, at Florida. They didn't take me to University of South Florida. They said, you go go to community college, man, and figure it out. And so I did. And I just, I love the community college um, environment and the way they paved the road for people like me to have a better future well chris uh i'd like to say it was a, a pleasure and an honor to listen to your story and and hear the trials and tribulations and success most importantly success not just for you and your wife but your two children yes they will yes. be very inspired um i'm sure they've heard a little bit but once they're older and they actually hear, you know, the actual story, they'll be just as inspired as, as I was and the audience will be for 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 your time and, and sharing your testimony with us. Thank you, Professor. It's been a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Raposo, a marketer ma for Hannon Hill, yes? Marketing? Marketing specialist for Hannon Hill, but I'll be marketing manager soon. Exactly. <laughs> in, in, in a shorter time frame, for sure, for sure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. episode complete we hope you enjoy Chris Raposo's powerful and inspirational story we hope you got a better understanding of what it really means to walk a mile in someone's shoes and we hope that something about Chris's story inspired you to push through whatever you are going through and become the person you are trying to become if you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, comment, and uh, be a friend and subscribe to the podcast. Share as well. We would greatly appreciate it. There are more episodes to come. Just as powerful and just as inspirational as Chris's 4,000 mile journey. We wish you all the best of luck in whatever you pursue and we are grateful to have someone like Chris share his testimony with us. Until the next one, take care, stay safe and be inspired.